All right, ladies and gentlemen, good evening, good evening, good afternoon, good morning, wherever you're at in the world. I am Jason, your co-host with God and Jesus Christ at my side because they are the host and they are at the wheel and they are in the captain's chair. Therefore, they are steering this ship through these crazy waters that we call life. So welcome. Glad to have you all here. It is Tuesday, January 31st, 2023, and this is episode 428, and we are going to be doing a reading out of Isaiah chapter 61 plus a little commentary. So let's dive right into it. Okay, so today I'm going to be reading out of the book of, uh, let me see here. I got two of them pulled up right now. The New American Bible, Revised Edition. That's the one I'm going to be reading out of. I typically bounce back and forth between the New American Standard Bible and the New American, uh, excuse me, uh, what, what's the other one there? The NASB, yeah, the New the New American Standard Bible. But today we're going to be reading out of the New American Bible, Revised Edition. So. Um, trying to think there was something I wanted to possibly play. No, we're going to save that for a different time. So, okay, we're going to get right into the reading. Starting with chapter 61. It's a very short chapter. Uh, there's only about 11 verses and it starts off. Now we talked about the anointed bearer of glad tidings. So it starts off with verse one, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the afflicted, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, release to the prisoners, to announce a year of favor from the Lord and a day of vindication by our God, to comfort all who mourn, to place on those who mourn in Zion a diadem instead of ashes, to give them oil of gladness instead of mourning, a glorious mantle instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of justice, the planting of the Lord to show his glory. They shall rebuild the ancient ruins, the former waste they shall raise up and restore the desolate cities, devastations of generation upon generation. Strangers shall stand ready to pasture your flocks. Flo foreigners shall be your farmers and vine dressers. You yourselves shall be called priests of the Lord. Ministers of our God, you shall be called. You shall be, you shall eat the wealth of the nations and in their riches you will boast because their shame was twofold and disgrace was proclaimed their portion. They will possess twofold in their own land. Everlasting joy shall be theirs for I am the Lord love justice Excuse me, for I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully give them their recompense, an everlasting covenant I will make with them. Their offspring shall be renowned among the nations and their descendants in the midst of the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge them. They are offspring the Lord has blessed. I will rejoice heartily in the Lord. My heart, my being exalts in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation and wrapped me in a robe of justice. Like a bridegroom adorned with a diadem, as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. As the earth brings forth its shoots and a garden makes its seeds spring up, so will the Lord God make justice spring up and praise before all the nations. And that is the reading of Isaiah chapter 
61 verses 1 through 11. Like I said, very short chapter. So we got, let's see here, five more chapters before we conclude the book of Isaiah. So just uh, we'll be com coming to a close here. And I'm not quite sure exactly where I want to go. Something keeps leading me into like the New Testament. So I'm thinking we might do something in the New Testament. We might stay there for a book or two, depending on how many books or chapters are in that specific book. But anyway, so, you know, here we're looking at God's promise of salvation. Now, God has a plan of salvation, and these 11 verses follow the entire process. Now, first, you got God who sends his anointed, which is Christ. And the person preaches to the meek heals hearts and frees those who are captive in sin, right? Teaches what is acceptable to God and comforts those who are filled with sorrow. And these address the spiritual and mental and emotional needs of people. Now, second, God sends his anointed to change what is dirty into what is beautiful, to turn sorrow into joy and to replace burdens with praise and to build what is desolate to exalt his people above others and to give people an official office of ministry in his presence and to give an inheritance for laboring for the Lord despite ridicule. See, all these point to a social change and result in physical and political changes. Now, third, we see the result of the first two actions by God. Extreme praise by the believer, acknowledging that God is the one who is working salvation. The saints become like a beloved bride, showered with gifts of love by God. And in this final stage of salvation, all the world will be filled with righteousness. Something I very much believe is going to be, is happening and taking place actively as we continue to press forward not just within our assemblies, but just in general, in our prayer life. Now, it's noteworthy to, to point out that all the earth will be filled with righteousness because all the wicked will be cast into the lake of fire to burn forever. So the born-again Christian is in the first stage of salvation. Having accepted Jesus, we are healed and spiritually, emotionally, and mentally. There's something about accepting Christ in your heart that does something to you in those three categories, spiritually, emotionally, and mentally. Now, that's not to say, though, Satan's not going to try finding a crack in the armor to try to seep in and try to stir up anxiety, stress, and depression. He will. Which is why we need to continuously pray daily to strengthen that armor of God. And so we get to look forward to the next two stages when our bodies will be redeemed and we will live forever in the kingdom and God ministering and praising him for his wonderful works in us and the world. So as we look at this verse by verse, the first two verses refer to Christ's mission for his first coming. So Jesus reads the verse, these verses, I should say, in, in Galilee, immediately after emerging from the temptation in the desert as a declaration of the beginning of his ministry. And you can see that referenced in Luke 
chapter 4, verses 18 through 19. And so his main purpose in his first coming is to free people from sin and to make known that this freedom is attainable to all who will receive it. But see, you got to take that first step forward. You got you to ask for it. And so as you look at verses 3 and 4, these verses refer to Christ's second coming, which has yet happened yet. Not sure if it's around the corner. I mean, I'd like to think it is, but again, no one knows. For all we know, Jesus' second coming could be another three, 400 years from now. We don't know. But when he will, when he does come, he will restore his people physically. His first coming is to restore the spirit, which he did. And then the second will be to restore the body and a nation. Now, I'd like to think that that would happen fairly soon, but, you know, no one could be so sure. Verses 5 and 6, instead of being the workers, God's people will be the reapers. And as priest of God, he is the inheritance and possession of his people. Now, they, they are to receive provisions from the tithes and offerings of the general public. And verses 7 through 8, shows us that God's people may in this life be shamed by others and confused by the hardships and the oppression that they endure. But God says that one's faith will not be in vain if one holds true. That's the key. If one holds true, then one's pain and confusion will be turned into everlasting joy. Now, one can rest on this promise because of God's character. God would never fail to deliver on such a promise so profound. And because God hates dishonesty and loves a righteous heart and loves righteous judgment, he will deal honestly with the righteous and in the end reward those who are faithful. Verse 9 shows us that God's final promise in this section is that everyone will acknowledge the Jews as the chosen people. But what God has started, people need to realize that he will also finish. He planted a kingdom of faith in Abraham and will ensure that the seed will come to fruition. And so in response to the gracious promise of God during the time of salvation, Isaiah praises God. Now, we should note that God does not make one righteous, but clothes one in righteousness. Human righteousness is always defiled, no matter what. It's always impure compared to the spotless right, you know, righteousness of God. Which is precisely why I always say he is the host. Him and Jesus Christ are the host of this show, because they are the, one that are always, they are the ones that are always righteous. They have to guide me. That's why I'm the co-host. But this is such as why God clothes man in the righteousness of his son. See, man can be counted as righteous even though he is not. And this is the basis of salvation and a cause for great rejoicing for, in the Redeemer. And so God adorns man with gifts of love and grace far beyond what one deserves, causing his seed of righteousness to blossom despite that man's lack of righteousness. 
one of God, right? One's goal is to become like Christ, right? To, to have the heart of Christ, to walk as closely as possible the way Christ walked, to become like the righteousness and salvation with which God clothes one. It's very hard. A lot of people strive for it, but it's very, very hard. I love that chapter. It's a very, very good read. It's a very short read, but it's a great chapter nonetheless. I wish I actually had my truck Bible with me because I highlighted something. Let me see if I can find it. Yeah, here it is. This is God's word of promise, verses 8 and 9. I just feel like it's worth repeating. And it says, For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully give them their recompense. An everlasting covenant I will make with them. Verse 9. Their offspring shall be renowned among the nations and their descendants in the midst of the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge them. They are offspring the Lord has blessed. I don't know about you guys, but I can't help but feel like maybe we could be right around the corner of seeing us as a people in this nation and uh, in this world, hopefully seeing the evil and the wrongdoing finally be done away with and, and be gone. But I think there's still a lot that needs to be cleaned up. There's so much corruption and evil around the world from a federal level to a state level to a local county and city and township level. They're everywhere. But I love when God says, I will faithfully give them the recompense an everlasting covenant I will make with them. Basically giving back all that was taken from us during the oppression by tyrants. Yeah, I absolutely love verse 8 and verse 9. Now, before we close this out, there is a quick, uh, and then we move on to the next show, there is a there is one quick soundbite that I wanted to play that, seems to be always on my mind on a daily basis, always on my mind on a daily basis. Now, if you're a father and you're the, I don't want to say the breadwinner, but in, for lack of a better term, the, the breadwinner, right? The sole provider, there we go. And you're the sole provider and you have a stay at home wife, which first off, let me be very clear. The stay at home wife works very, very, very hard. I know because I am married to a stay-at-home wife and mother and homeschooler. Not three different people, by the way. They're all the same, just FYI, in case I needed to give clarity on that. The stay-at-home wife is a very hard worker. It's a 24-7 job. And she has the blessing, and I guess some would call it a curse to a degree, depending on the day of being with their kids 24-7. It's a hard job. It's a demanding job. But what sucks sometimes, though, when you look from when you look at a father's standpoint, who is the sole provider, that gets to be very tough, too. Now, granted, sure, 
our work days aren't 24 7 365 days a year with zero sick days because the kids are relying on you always but i saw this video on tiktok and this guy summed it up so great because this is always on my mind on a daily basis which is half the battle in my own mind mentally why i have my own ups and downs because believe it or not folks satan usually loses when he tries to get in my head but every once in a while he does like today i've been in a funk today if you can't tell by my tone i've been i'll be on i'll be quite clear with you and very straightforward i have been in a funk today and i've prayed to god and asked him for peace and to help me armor up it's not like it was a bad day but i'm just definitely in a blah kind of mood right now but let me play the sound clip because this is always on my mind on a daily basis and i'm sure on with for every father out there especially if you have kids wait a second i'm still trying to figure out this mixing board sorry had the sound off if a man is at home all the time and he's the breadwinner that's a bad sign and the problem with being a father is you can never get it 100 if I give you time, we don't have money. If I get the money, you don't have me. I can't be there and earn a living at the same time. I'm limited and I have an obligation to make sure your life is better than mine. All the things that you call normal were our miracles. Your normal is your daddy's miracle. But the reason you don't see it is because it's normal. Yeah, I tell you, that is something that I battle with on a daily basis. And I, and I on a daily basis, and I, I guarantee you, a lot of fathers do. You know, especially like me, I put in 12, 13 hours a day, five, six days a week. And I hate when I have to set out my work clothes because my daughter, she'll come up. And she'll ask me, she goes, Daddy, do you really have to go to work tomorrow? And of course, I got to do that half, you know, yes, nodding kind of, you know, head shake. Yeah, baby, I do. I really wish you wouldn't go to work. I said, I know. I really wish I didn't have to go to work either. But you know what? You have a wonderful mommy that's with you all the time. You know how many kids don't have that blessing? I said, mommy is your best friend and she is going to take very good care of you. I said, daddy has to make sure we have food on the table and we have a house and a roof over our head and you have good warm clothes on your back and horseback riding lessons that you want to do, you know, but it sucks. But that, that, that preacher, whoever that guy was in that video, he's so right. You know, if we're always home, then we're not making money to provide the things that we need and or want you know if, if 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 i'm not home then i'm not i'm not we're not you know we're not making money you know but if i'm not at work you know then i'm not having good quality time with you so it's like where's the balance you know where where where's the balance and that's a that's a tough it's a tough jug, you know juggling act to to really you know juggle and so um but anyway it's been one of those things that's been on my mind for several months now and i've been trying to figure out and it's one of the reasons why i would love nothing more than to do this podcast full time 
because if I had this podcast, you know, somehow, and it's going to take some time, I know it's going to take time and I'm relying on God's timing, you know, and, and he's going to provide it all. But, you know, if I was able to do this full time, I would have a, an awesome morning show and then I'd have an, an awesome evening show, you know, a morning and an evening show, you know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, you know, just kind of enjoy it. Cause I, I love doing this. I like being on the air. I always thought being a radio host would be awesome, but without actually starting at the bottom, only making $20,000 a year and then having to live on a couch in the studio because you can't afford rent because they pay you so poorly. Like I, I didn't want to do that. That sucks. But, you know, I figure, you know what, as a truck driver and making the kind of income that I do, I can, you know, do that and then still do this and, you know, try to get the best of both worlds and build it up. But, but anyway, so that concludes episode 428. We're going to close us out with a quick prayer and then we will be right back on the other side uh, with a discussion. We are going to be reading a handbook on how to restore. And we're not going to read the whole thing, of course, because it's quite long, but we're going to read part of it on how to restore the sovereign states of America. So let's close out with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to say thank you so very much for this time together. Thank you for the gift of hard work and thank you for the job that you bless me with so I can earn that income for my family. And I also thank you for the ability for my wife to be able to be home, to homeschool our daughter, to love on her 24-7 so she's not caught up in a system of the public school. Thank you for that. And Father, we just ask that you continuously guide our hearts and our minds and, and let our footsteps be in sync with your great divine plan. We pray all this in your Holy Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we will be back after this quick little break. We'll see you on the other side.